Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Ali McMillan and I'm a Methodist deacon currently based at Methodist Central Hall in Westminster, also a member of the Methodist Diaconal Order, a religious order which brings a sense of rhythm and wholeness to my life. Uh, before I trained for ministry, I was a teacher and I taught at a secondary school in Oxfordshire, teaching, teaching religious studies and ethics. Um, I'm really passionate about coming alongside people where they are and journeying with them as they discover God at work in their lives. Each week, I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And today, I'm really pleased to introduce uh, Deacon Angie Allport. Angie is a Methodist deacon as well and based in Hereford. Uh, her role is primarily one of community engagement. Angie is an active campaigner on justice issues of peace and justice and is a co-founder of the Network of Methodist Activists and secretary to the Methodist Peace Fellowship. Uh, so lots to bring to the podcast today. Uh, welcome, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ali. It's good to be with you. Uh, well, we know that politics in the pulpit can be a bit of a contentious topic sometimes, uh, but we believe that it's essential that the world around us speaks into our churches. Uh, I wonder, Angie, when you hear arguments saying that politics uh, shouldn't form part of our preaching, uh, how do you respond to those people? I can't see how they can be separated. For me, they're just intrinsically related. Um, both our faith and politics affect us. They affect how we live. They affect our lives. As people of faith, we're called to live in a particular way. And politics can affect how we then live that out. But also, hopefully, in a democracy where we hopefully have a say in politics, our faith can help shape um, public policies and, and government decisions. So for me, that they're, they're together. Um, Jesus certainly wasn't backwards from coming forwards in in calling out um, man-made. They were man-made then rules that, you know, weren't in accordance with God's ideas for and aspirations for us as humankind and for the planet. Um, and I don't think we should be reticent either. Um, I do accept that it's perhaps the party politics we need to avoid. Uh, and certainly I've got no qualms in calling out bad policies and, and laws, whichever flavour of, of parties holding government office at the time. Um, I have to say, I think criticism generally comes from those who think it's their politics that are being got at. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can uh, perhaps relate to that. But uh, it seems like you might have plenty to say to us today. So that's great to hear. Uh, each week I ask my JPIC colleagues a little roundup from their expertise and what they think we might want to be keeping an eye on in the world this week. Uh, so some of their suggestions this week are uh, some dramatic politics going on, obviously. Boris Johnson has left Parliament as a response to the Partygate scandal and has been joined by Nadine Dorries and Nigel Evans, both of whom are allies of his. And in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon has been questioned by detectives uh, investigating allegations of financial misconduct in the SNP. Uh, as well as uh, those two kind of very uh, political things going on, the illegal migration bill is going through the Lords of process at the moment, uh, with MPs and peers saying that it breaches a number of UK human rights obligations. Uh, so uh, I wonder, Angie, from your context, what would you want us to hear as key justice issues or political events at the moment? Um, certainly for me, it would be the around the uh, illegal immigration bill. Um, we have a, a asylum seekers hotel that's um, been taken over um, for the purposes of housing asylum seekers. They haven't been here that long, probably because time does fly, doesn't it? <laughs> it probably probably have been with us two to three months. 
Um, but there was uh, a lot of objection to it happening. Um, the usual stuff you hear that, you know, people aren't going to be safe. And um, it wasn't long after they'd had the fire at one of the other detention centres and, you know, people will be starting fire. All the stuff you kind of get when anything contentious is put forward. Hey ho they're here. I'm not aware that there's been any issues. Um, as far as I know, we've got 100 and 910 men at a hotel here in, in Hereford. Um, and certainly, sadly, I have heard some of that rhetoric repeated in our congregation. Um, uh, I'm sure other, con uh, other congregations have members that, you know, depending on the press they read, they, they bring that to um, church on a Sunday. Um, so I certainly want to talk about the whole issue of, of migration um, and just a couple of issues that I particularly picked up um, from sort of national news um, is around, you know, um, the whole green agenda and just how far we are looking to achieve what we've said we're going to achieve. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to pick up on, again, um, in view of the uh, cost of living crisis, is I see that there government is suggesting not introducing the windfall tax which to me just seems completely bizarre um you know not least of which we should have a cushion going forwards but equally it's the whole issue of tax justice and fair tax which i know was last sunday's theme but we can see a pattern can't we absolutely and, and whilst we have particular sundays to just highlight things for us those issues don't just go away because it's not that particular sunday so absolutely absolutely well to be honest with you because <laughs> Because I am, I'm actually um, wanting someone to talk uh, about asylum seekers uh, at a hotel that's in Evesham, um, but they're away on holiday. I'm actually going to do the whole uh, issue around asylum seekers um, on the 16th of July, which is the date they can come over and hopefully bring some asylum seekers with them. So yeah, we, we shouldn't be. I know this is uh, you know put together around the lectionary, but sometimes we shouldn't get too tied up with special Sundays and the lectionary. <laughs> And that's a really helpful point to make, isn't it? That actually we need to be thinking about these issues all the time and whenever we can make it work, we make it work. Um, well, some key church dates uh, to note just that are going on this week. It's uh, Refugee Festival Scotland from the 16th to the 25th of June. So those listeners who are in Scotland will uh, be aware of that, I'm sure. And that it's Refugee Week from the 19th to the 25th of June. I'm sure many churches will be thinking about that now. Or, as you've said, in the future, if that works better for them. Uh, but the readings for this Sunday, the 18th of June, in our lectionary are uh, Psalm 100, Exodus 19, 2-8a, Romans 5, 1-8, and Matthew 9, 35-10-8, uh, or you can continue that on to verse 23 uh, if you wanted to. Uh, so, uh, those with our readings, so with our metaphorical newspapers open in one hand, uh, let's turn to our Bibles. And I wonder, Angie, where you wanted to begin this week? I'm happy to begin with the... Uh... Uh, Exodus passage uh, to start there and uh, the particular text that did strike me really was that that that's um you know that if that command is command the right word that if you obey my voice and keep my covenant you shall be my treasured possession and uh, the Exodus reading talks about that covenantal relationship that existed between God and the Israelites and that was really based on God having brought the Israelites out of uh, bondage and looking on them to now play their part in, in liberating and freeing others. Uh, that's how I understand, uh, uh, you know, God's command. Um, obedience, of course, is a word that contemporary society often struggles with, the idea that we obey. I think we're all a bit rebellious at heart. Um, <laughs> 
but it does, you know, the word has its roots in listening. And at the end of the day, we are prepared to listen to those whom we love and admire. Um, you know, I'm struck by influencers on social media. You know, how many people listen to what they have to say, whether the advice is good or bad. Um, and uh, the first word of the prologue to St. Benedict's rule is to listen. And listen, listening is, is an active thing, isn't it? If you're going to carry out a task, you don't know how to do it. You ask somebody how you do it. They tell you you've got to listen and then hopefully do what they've said. Um, so uh, so it's really that call of God to listen to what I'm saying to you. Listen to what I want you to do in the world on my behalf. And if you obey my commands, uh, you'll be my treasured possession. And I also just wanted to reflect on that idea of treasured possession and being chosen. I don't see that in terms of uh, you're chosen because you're special, you're my favourite, but rather you're chosen and commissioned for this particular task. I want you to, you know, to be my hands and feet in the world, the light to the world. Um, you know, basically, God's call is to love. Um, and that's all we're being asked to do, all we're being asked to do. I know that's not easy, but, uh, you know, it's its fundamental heart. That is God's request of it, isn't it? Request of us is 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 to love others. Um, and it, it's putting that into practice. Mm. And I, yeah, I love that about um, uh, tying that obedience into listening uh, and then that leads into then action. I think that's really, uh, I can see how you can build a sermon. <laughs> out of that I was recently on a mental health awareness and mental health first aider training and we spent quite a lot of time on active listening um, and that strikes me that uh, it's something that we talk about a lot but how often we actually put into practice uh, perhaps we need to work on that a bit. I think so and you know these days you you know I do it myself I try not to do it myself but I do do it myself but you know you're in conversations with people they're looking at their social media or phones you know, you even see people having conversations and they're on their social media. I mean, um, I was in a restaurant once and I saw this um, youngish couple who I would say were possibly on a first date or very early date. And they were both checking their phones. <laughs> Do you not want to get to know each other? Yeah. <laughs> so easy, though, isn't it? Because, you know, our phones are just here. My phone is just here even now. It's, you know... Oh, well, brownie points. I put mine in the kitchen. <laughs> You definitely, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wonder if there's anything in this Exodus passage which is challenging for us as preachers. Um, I think the challenge really is that call to holy living. Um, you know what John Wesley, Wesley would have described holy living in the in the text. It's called you know being called to be a holy nation. John Wesley used that term of um, holy living and called us to a life of holiness, which at its heart is right living. It's through living out the values of the kingdom of God. On the face of it, it's easy putting it into practice. It's hard. And that is the challenge, isn't it? And also, particularly around some of the sort of more moral and ethical issues, they're not always straightforward. You know, doing something right in one area impacts another area. Um so it's yeah that that's that's the challenge I think that's the challenge finding your way through. Yeah, and I think we can all relate to that. That you say the nuance of of making right decisions, which isn't always black and white. 
So, uh, anything else on that passage or do you want to move us to, to one of the passages? Other, other than, again, that idea of being sort of exemplar, whether it was the, you know, the, the kingdom of Israel or whether it's us today, the idea is that it's through our example that we bring then others to God. You know, it's not about necessarily preaching to them, but it's about sharing that love. Um, and then, you know, people and nations will come to God, which then kind of links into our Psalm uh, 100, which was very much about envisaging the nations, all nations, um, coming to God in, in praise and worship. Oh, we love a smooth transition from one reading to the next. Uh, yeah, let's have a look at the Psalm then. That, that, that exemplar living. So it's quite a short psalm in a sense. Um, and uh, for me, I was struck by its inclusivity. You know, we are the sheep of God's pasture, as it says in verse three. Um, I read it as quite an inclusive psalm. As I say, the idea that all nations would be coming to God to offer praise and worship. Um, but there's also something in that psalm about the character of God, you know, God's steadfast love enduring for, for all generations not just then, but for now and on, on into the future, the eternity of God. Yeah, and it's certainly a psalm that I've used liturgically um, in services, you know, as a call to worship or as a, a response uh, for congregations to use. So you can see how you might easily uh, incorporate this into, into an act of worship. Yeah, and there are certainly some sort of um, modern uh, readings of psalms, um, uh, Nan Merrill, um, uh, you know, puts a nice spin on some of the psalms. And his first name now escapes me, but somebody, Brunt, has done the psalms um, with a, you know, quite a modern reading. So for myself, I do fairly often uh, look for those more modern readings of the psalms. Sometimes I do the liturgical thing from, the, you know, using what's in singing the faith um, for the uh, people to respond to but uh, I, I do sometimes look at those more modern readings that perhaps just speak a little bit more um, into modern contexts. Yeah excellent thank you yes it's a it's, as you say not a very long psalm but uh, you can see how it has lots to say say to us actually. Wonderful uh, did you want to move to the Romans passage? Uh, yeah well I'll do Romans and then we'll we'll come back to the uh, gospel um, you know, this is one of those passages where we encounter that difficult idea of suffering being good, um, always uh, a contentious one. <laughs> um, that said, uh, I'm sure you will have crossed this as well, Ali. You know, we come across people who actually do say that it was when they were at their lowest point that they actually found God was closest to them. Um, but equally, it, it, you know, there is the contextual setting. Um, you know, there was a lot of persecution of Christians going on at that time. Um, so the idea of suffering then is perhaps, you know, put a little bit differently than we would look to see it today. Um, but ultimately, yes, the passage talks about suffering, but it also has that message of hope. Uh, and that's the hope we have, isn't it? That all will be well. Um, and we have that hope that, you know, God can change hearts. Um, we, we, we just need that faith. Um, so a little interesting reflection. Um, I had a conversation with um, somebody who said that uh, it was a it was a he happened to be a he. He said that he felt it was right to pray for Putin's death. Mm -hmm. Is it? 
um, shouldn't we rather be praying for his change of heart, for his yeah. heart to be transformed? Um, we haven't necessarily got to answer that today, Ali. And, you know, I'm not sure that much. Well, I, I think I'm kind of sure we shouldn't be praying for Putin's death. But, but you know, sometimes I think for his heart to be transformed that is a big ask. But, you know, hey, <laughs> you know, God, God can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. That's an interesting, isn't it? How, um, yeah, how should we pray and what should we be praying for? It's actually quite a big question for us. It uh, is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes I do the easy thing and just like main the issue. It's over to you, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need you don't need my advice on what I'd like you to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because sometimes things are so big. Uh, or so other you know so different to our own experiences to try and find a way of praying into them in very specific terms can, can just feel impossible absolutely um, you don't want to pray about it yeah. yeah 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 i have to say i won't be praying for anyone's death anytime soon but no. praying for some changed hearts yeah yeah yeah. yeah even putin <laughs> even yeah even putin yeah um, anything else in this Romans Romans passage uh, for us? Um, uh, I I didn't have anything um, as such, but once we've talked about Matthew, um, I perhaps talk about how I kind of saw a thread running through the readings. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, let's go to the Matthew one, and then we can come back to uh, to some overall themes and threads. That's helpful. Uh, so the gospel then, Matthew uh, nine uh, to ten eight. What, yeah, where did you want to take us with this? Um, I, what struck me really was that reference to them being sh uh, like sheep without a shepherd, um, particularly with that connection um, to, to shepherd that, and sheep um, that we had when in the, in the psalm reading that, you know, we are all sheep of, of God's pasture. So that was the sort of um, thing that kind of struck me when I when I looked at the passage. Um, and again, for me, this reading is is about the work of God's kingdom. Uh, you know, Jesus was there not just proclaiming the gospel uh, and not just proclaiming the good news. He was doing the good news. Um, and, uh, you know, it's about word and action. And when he commissioned those disciples, it was to do the same thing. It was go and preach the good news. But also, you know, he gave them power to, to heal disease and, and sickness, etc. So for me, it's that, uh, you know, good news is is proclamation as in orally proclaiming, but it's also that proclaiming through what we do, what we do. And tying your words and your actions together is so important, isn't it? I was um, uh, lucky enough was able to spend some time with our young people's group on Sunday and we were talking there about how there's nothing worse as a witness in a Christian who is a horrible person and who, you know, is lying or cheating or stealing or, you know, doing, and you know, that, that's the worst witness of all, isn't it? Where you say one thing and do another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other thing that struck me about the idea of them being uh, sheep without a shepherd is in the Bible, the shepherd is often, um, you know, used to, to symbolize kingship, leadership. Um, and in a way, I also saw Jesus basically criticizing the leadership. If he's seeing people without a shepherd, he's seeing people with poor leadership uh, or at least leadership that's letting them down, uh, you know, leaving them um, 
vulnerable, helpless, not intervening. Um, and uh, for me, if that's not uh, politics from the pulpit, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. And so often, as you say, in the Bible, that particularly in the, in the Old Testament, you know, when they talk about shepherds, that's in contrast. You know, God's a good shepherd in contrast to your poor leaders who are being bad shepherds at the moment. So, yeah. That's right. And I mean, you know, Jesus um, invariably knew that criticising leadership would lead to confrontation. We see various encounters of confrontation um, that Jesus has in the Bible. Um, but, you know, he's he's concerned um, for people and, you know, he's disappointed to see the lack of intervention on their behalf. And, uh, you know, he's he's willing to speak out about it in the same way that we as Christians should then be following his example and speaking out against poor leadership that leave people marginalised uh, and left behind in, in our society, particularly one of the wealthiest you know, societies in our in our world. And that is a real challenge to us as preachers, isn't it, about how we uh, tie those things together and don't get uh, pulled into perhaps, um, you know, difficult ground where, where we can pull people in places that um, we perhaps might not want to take them in terms of, yeah, as you say, getting party political, but actually being willing to challenge poor leadership um, is important. So I wonder where you would uh, take that if you were preaching on these passages this Sunday. Is there a particular poor leadership that you'd want to call out? Um, so in terms of uh, um, some of the issues we have already just touched on, in terms of, you know, uh, the cost of living crisis at the moment and the government announcing that they're um, probably not going to introduce the windfall tax on energy companies. I mean, part of the, me thinks that's just poor planning anyway. You know, it should be an opportunity to build uh, a cushion um, for future energy crisis, because I'm sure this isn't going to be the only one or indeed having some sort of cushion for any sort of crisis. Um, but equally, it also just relates back to the whole um, issue of um, unfair fair tax and again the government just being unwilling to address some of those fair tax issues which as I say was really the theme of last week um, but again it you know it, it is about challenging our leadership and, and the policies that they have um, and particularly as I say that impacting on the cost of living where you know so many people have been and are being left behind you know we see food bank um, usage up um, and by a lot, you know, being used by lots of people that are in work. Yeah, increasingly though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, I think that gives lots of things for people to begin to get their teeth into. Um, so what were some of those themes uh, that you saw between the readings? Oh, well, just before we moved on, oh. I also just want, no, that's fine, Ali. Um, I also just wanted to touch on this idea of the harvest is plentiful and um, the labourers are few. Um, you know, a, a narrow reading of that text is often around, you know, saving souls. We need more people to be saving souls, whatever might be meant by that phrase. Um, but for me, the labourers are needed for the, you know, for the work of the kingdom. You know, we have so many organisations, individuals, charities, you know, they are working in hard pressed places of the, this country and throughout the world you know, seeking to bring love, peace, liberty, justice. And they're the ones who are struggling for, um, you know, people on the ground. Um, so for me, this passage is about the labourers for God's kingdom work, really. 
um, and uh, not that perhaps more narrow reading that's sometimes attributed to this passage. Um, and that might lead to, to evangelism, but, you know, as you say, if it's just going out and getting bums on seats, to use that fairly coarse phrase, but there's <laughs> people mean, isn't it, when they say this, but yeah, actually that really broad reading of, you know, are you doing the work of God in the world? Yeah. 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 So then, uh, anything else from this passage before I move us on too quickly? No, no, that's fine, Ali. No, that that's uh, that was the, the other thing I wanted to just sort of pick up from from that particular passage. Yeah, yeah. So themes then, um, um, are you, you feeling as you're hearing as you're reading them? Um, well, to be honest, when I first looked at the um, readings, um, I don't know what your experience is, but often you look at the lectionary readings, and sometimes you see some obvious links, and other weeks you think, oh, I'm not so sure they link up so well. My first reading was, oh, I'm not sure they link up terribly well. Um, but it was as I kind of explored them more and read them and pondered a bit more, um, I could kind of see a thread going through them um, in a sense. And hopefully, perhaps what I've already said picks up some of that thread. But, um, you know, Jesus' mission. Um, when he sent the disciples out, he was quite clear that they weren't going to the Samaritans or the Gentiles. You know, they were very much there for the people of Israel. Um, so, you know, Jesus' mission was first and foremost to God's people. But we know um, that it was then subsequently extended to all people. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, um, anyone going about the work of God is is God's treasured possession. Um, and. The whole earth is God's. We are all uh, uh, sheep of God's pasture, as both the Exodus and Psalm uh, reading said to us. And it's all the earth that is called to make that joyful noise to the Lord in the Psalm. So for me, it was around the idea of us all being described as sheep of the pasture. And some, though, for whatever reason, don't necessarily feel sheep of the pasture. It might be illness. It might be oppression. It might be war. It might be bereavement, anything that makes people feel not part of the of the uh, sheepfold um, of the people that we're then called to sort of be shepherds to, um, to share that love. Um, and then linking into Romans, you know, doing that stuff, we need to be sustained in our faith. And just linking into that sort of passage from Romans, it, it, you know, it's our faith and um, the peace of God that we know in our hearts that then sus sort of sustains us with the work we're called to do. I mean, as an activist myself, um, I very much see my spiritual life and sort of activist life um, very much interwoven. Mm. Um, I know sometimes in the past we've counted to see sort of spiritual over here and the kingdom work over here. Um, to me, a bit like the politics and faith being meshed together, activism and spirituality are me meshed together. Um, you know, it's certainly my spirituality that sustains my activism. Um, so that's where the Romans passage sort of um, spoke to me around the spiritual feeding that we need to then go and do the work that we're called to do. Um, we're not called to die for others, as it referenced <laughs> in the Romans passage. But equally, it's through doing the work of God that we share in that glory of God. 
you know, we're bringing glory to God's name through through what we do in the world. And as you've just said, Ali, you know, where we rub up against um, issues and problems is where we see one thing and do another, you know, and, you know, we need to be that 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 shining light um, living out and and, uh, you know, doing what we say we're going to do and the values we hold. And that might involve hardship for us. So that's perhaps the suffering that we we um, we encounter today in our religious life. Um, rather than the persecuted Christian, I mean, there are persecuted Christians in the world, but in our context, rather than the sort of persecution that um, the Christians were seeing then, you know, our suffering perhaps is a little bit of hardship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit too easy for us, isn't it, sometimes to, well, I'd rather be doing this than put myself out to do that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but as I say, that's when we and well, that's where we need to be obedient, isn't it? It comes back to the whole listening thing. Yeah. Oh, what an excellent linking it all together. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? That actually making those easy choices is, you know, in fact, I was just confessing one of my sins uh, earlier to somebody that, you know, I've been buying something on Amazon because it was easy and I just, you know, did it. And actually that was an easy choice to make. And actually, is that the right choice to make? Um bring a personal confession there but (laughs) but it's the idea isn't it that you know we have we have other choices that we could make it it is but I mean preface this with other platforms are available but the whole Amazon thing I mean so I can't like yourself they're easy so my discipline around um, Amazon is I boycott them during Advent and Lent (laughs) I can't completely go without yeah, yeah. But, and it's you know we all as you say we all make personal choices and this isn't we're not specifically against amazon in particular but it's just highlights an issue doesn't it about you know what choices we make about what we do with the resources that we have yeah yeah i try to um you know when i order from amazon i still try to check that the supplier is in the uk i try to do you know a little bit of the right thing around it <laughs> and you know Allegedly, they are improving their workers' rights, etc., and and moving in the right direction. So hopefully, they are. Yeah. And again, that will be around you know some of the pressure they face as a corporation around you know they don't treat their workers particularly well. Yeah, and so we're using our voices as Christians to try and influence uh, working practices. Um, you know, is, is equally as important as how and where we spend our money. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, most certainly is. I think I um, sort of got us a bit off track then with my example. Uh, but any other uh, themes or anything else you wanted to say about that that theme reading between the readings there? Um, I think we've probably uh, covered it, um, you know, with, with what we've said so far. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's fine, Ali. Wonderful. And any other things that you wanted to, you wanted to make sure that you shared today that we've not got to or... Um, last thoughts that you wanted to to make um i I suppose really um just around the whole um illegal migration bill um you know you can almost have the play on words really can't you because you know migration is not illegal human beings are not illegal but the bill is illegal so we have got an illegal migration bill (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, (laughs) it's very strange isn't it very strange very strange 
Anyway, yeah. um, I, I was really struck by the debate that happened in the House of Lords. It went on till quarter past four in the morning on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the House of Commons have already passed the bill, you know, there are a number of peers um, who are strongly opposed to it, um, uh, not least of which is, is Lord Dubbs. I mean, you know, he's in his 90s and he's still campaigning for the for the rights of migrants and refugees. I mean, particularly children, because, you know, that's where he came from. You know, he was a he was a, a child um, a refugee himself. Um, but, you know, for me, the bill, it's aimed at, at stopping people crossing the channel in small boats is, you know, is what it's aimed at. But the measures are just they, they're criminalizing the victims. They're not in any way addressing the people who are trafficking people. They're not addressing those who are making money off the back of vulnerable people. Uh, it's I, I just I just don't see it as, as, as solving the problem that, you know, it's purported to solve. Um, so Ella Braverman herself has actually made the step of making a statutory declaration on the Human Rights Act that she cannot state categorically that the bill is compatible with the European Convention on Human Rights, which, you know, <laughs> it's, well, um, it's beyond words, really. Um, and at the end of the day, the European Convention on Human Rights isn't something that's being imposed by Europe. Unfortunately, it has that E word in it, doesn't it? Europe. But it came on the back of the never again of the Holocaust. We were proponents of the um, European Convention on Human Rights. It's got nothing to do with Europe telling us what to do. Um, it beggars belief, really. It really, it really does. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my um, main thing I've kind of got to say on, on the bill. But the other thing that struck me, and I don't know whether people would have picked up on this, because it was one of these things that was news for a little bit, but soon moved on. Um, but the MP for um, Harwich was uh, bragging that the illegal uh, that the they would be they wouldn't be using barges um, for migrants. Yes. Uh, yeah. But he was celebrating not because it's a inhumane thing to do, but mm. around this whole issue of you know not in my backyard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the idea that we. You know, I don't think we take enough time to think about and we can't put ourselves in other people's shoes, but even just to try and think about the cost of, uh, you know, deciding to leave your home, leave your family, leave most of your possessions. You know, the taking the decision to do that is not taken lightly. And yet the way it's presented in our press um the you know the whole you know they're only here for our jobs they're only here for a free ride it just makes me cross really it just makes me cross and the idea then that people then are effectively criminalized um really wanting what we all want the best for ourselves and our families you know so can Um, i then as a you know as we've got you here a, a methodist activist uh how how would you encourage people to, to have a voice, to, to get involved, to do something about it. If they feel as passionately as, as you do, it's come across, and I would think most Christians uh, would look at um, look at the language and some of the rhetoric that's being used, no matter where they sit politically, um, 
around how the human beings are being spoken about and treated, what can we do? What are some of the things that we could do to make a difference? Uh, You can do uh, fairly simple things like signing online petitions. You know, that's just a click of a button. Um, A lot of sites that do campaigning around this and JPIT themselves are one of them. have got templates for you to be writing to your MP. I have to say, um, my MP here in Hereford, he is conservative, um, but he has spoken against the Rwanda plan. Yay. So it is across the spectrum. It is across the spectrum. Um, uh, but yes, uh, you can be writing to your MP. I mean, you could even, um, if you have sort of time and space, you could even arrange to meet with your MP. Um, but equally, um, you know, if you've got if you have got uh, asylum seekers in a hotel near you, um, you know, has something been set up to perhaps be doing some conversational English? Has something been set up to provide them with um, support around their applications for seeking asylum? Um, have they even got basic provisions, which I know is more the sort of charity response? But you know, at the end of the day, some of us are more comfortable with that charity response than the justice response I would push people to the justice response but equally there is a need for charity as well you know again it's not one or the other but you know we do the charity response but we should really be digging deeper as to why is the charity needed um I answered your question there yeah that's really helpful I think it's just sometimes giving people some some things that they can do some ways forward um when you know, a question feels so big and feels so difficult. And, you know, how can I do anything with one individual? I can't, you know, change. An ocean is made, sorry to cut across you. An ocean is made up of drops of water. We just remember that we need to be that little drop. I know, you know, some days, you know, I think, oh, am I doing it today? Is it worth it? You know, we all suffer a a little bit of apathy, a little bit, oh, it's too big. I'm not going to make a difference. But if we all felt we weren't going to make a difference, we're not going to make a difference. But working together and to be honest, justice stuff is the long haul stuff. You know, the abolition of the slave trade, you know, it wasn't done overnight. And for me, the text of, you know, you will have faith to move a mountain. That's not magic wand stuff, but you will have faith until that mountain's moved. And I feel like that feels like a good place to to finish with that kind of call to action and that grounding in that in that it actually a faithful thing to do to do you know take that step. So thank you so much, uh, Deacon and your Port, for being with us today, uh, sharing your wisdom and your insight and your reflections with us as we uh, wrestle with some of those biblical texts and how we might be preaching them in our pulpits this week. Uh, so thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Sure. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We have some online spaces where you can engage with us, discussions about faith and politics. So you can find us on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. And we have a Facebook page which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Uh, Facebook page and don't forget of course there's the website that's jpit.uk that's jpit.uk so the uh, reflection that we're leaving you with this week from uh, the readings that we've had is how can we do God's kingdom work in the world sharing God's love with the sheep of God's pasture 
And so we're going to uh, leave our episode this week with a blessing this week written by David Adam. Lord, as you have called us, make us worthy of our calling. Guide us that we may become people you would have us be. Direct us that we may do what you would have us do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.